Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Okay, Maggie McNeil, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Now, where are you coming from right now? Where are you? Oh, well, right now I'm just in my house in London, Ontario, in Canada. Okay, so how long have you been back there? Uh, I've been back home for almost six months. Oh, wow. Oh, dang. So what, uh, was that because of um, COVID and quarantine or you just did you just get stuck there? Uh, I guess uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I came back March 12th when we found out that NC2As were canceled and that we couldn't train in our pool. Uh, so I came home because um, at that point, Olympics and Canadian trials were still happening. Uh, so I got uh, across the border as fast as I could and I've been home ever since. Okay, wow. Well, listen, uh, I'll admit, I don't know much about you. I just, I've seen your incredible performances and I've heard about you, but I'd love to get to know you a little bit. So why don't we kind of just start from the beginning and, and work our way up to where we are now. Um, wh- where did you start swimming and what age? Yeah, so I basically started swimming. Um, we moved into a house that had a pool when I was, I think, 17 months old. So I kind of got into lessons that way just because my mom didn't want me to accidentally go out in the backyard and um, the events that we have were just to, for extra precaution. So I started lessons with the Excel uh, swimming lessons in London, Ontario when I was around two. And I kind of went up through the ranks of that to Excel swim team. And then from there, I progressed on to the London Aquatic Club where I swam from the ages of eight to 18 and still go back frequently. Did you do any other sports growing up or swimming was it? Um, I feel like I did other sports like every kid does. You kind of try to see what you enjoy or what works for you. So I did, I definitely did soccer and then I did a bunch of sports like in high, in high school and in elementary school, but swimming was definitely my main focus. Now, do you have uh, brothers and sisters as well? Yeah, I have a younger sister um, and she's turning 16. Okay, nice. Now, what about outside of the pool? Did you do any, anything else outside of the pool? No, not really. No, you didn't uh, like no music in your in your family or anything like oh, that. Oh yeah, so like um yeah, I grew up in a really um musical and athletic family. Um, my dad's a drama teacher, so I've always grown up with both sides. Uh, lots of people find that really interesting about me. So I played violin from ages uh, five to fourteen, and then I played clarinet from grade five to eleven. So that's been a big part of my life, and we always enjoy going to musicals and plays, and I've always had that aspect uh, part of me. What about drama? Did your did your father teach you some skills in in, in drama? Uh, I'm really not not that into acting. I mean, I was definitely more into uh, playing music, and I'm not very good at visual arts either. Okay, nice. So when did the when did you realize you were pretty good at swimming? When when did you feel like you had a talent for it? Um, I think I always just enjoyed going and uh, meeting friends, and I made a great group of friends. But eventually, I started to see some really good results, and I think. When I uh, did my first provincials here in London, uh, when I was nine, I won my first provincial medal. And I think that's when I really uh, wanted, knew I wanted to take it seriously. Was it always butterfly for you or did, were you good at all the strokes? Uh, I think in my club philosophy, and I've always been brought up with the idea that when you're younger, you swim everything. 
Uh, and then later on when you're late teens, you can start to specialize just so you can be more of a well-rounded athlete. So growing up, I definitely swam at every single event um, that you can and then didn't really specify um, into butterfly until much later. Okay. Now, what about your coaching influences? Who were your coaches as you, as you went through the ranks? Yeah. So starting with the London Aquatic Club, um, my first coach was Liz Moskal. And then I graduated up uh, to Donna Moskal and then Andrew Craven, who's, co- or who's currently the head of the London Aquatic Club. Oh, and, and how long have you been with Andrew for? Um, Andrew first started coaching me when I was 12. And then um, until I was 18 and graduated and went off to university. But right now, especially during COVID, I come back frequently like uh, American Thanksgivings and Christmases. So he's always been really welcoming and we've had a really great relationship. Wow, that must be exciting for him. Uh, I know you can't speak for him, but for, to see you, for, you know, coach you from a young age to where you are today, that must be pretty exciting for him. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I hope we've been on this journey a really long time together, and I hope that it continues and it hopes to go well. Wow. Now, what about how did you end up at Michigan? How was that whole process for you? Yeah, so being Canadian, the recruiting, um, I guess, process was really unusual and I wasn't totally expecting um, that to play out the way that it did. In Canada, you can just go visit a school and train with them and kind of see the atmosphere that way. So I guess it's similar in that aspect. Um, But I wasn't expecting the hype or all the rules like the NC2A rules surrounding um, recruit trips. But I went to visit a few schools, but then I knew Michigan was the place I wanted to be. Did, did you want to swim in college in the U.S.? Was that one of your goals, or did it just happen to, to come about? Um, I think I always um, wanted to go to the American, like go to an American college and go and swim in the NC2A system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I wasn't really expecting to click so well with Michigan. I mean, I definitely looked at a bunch of schools, but overall, it's been a really great fit, and I'm really enjoying it. What were some of your requirements as you're selecting schools and going through the process and, and your parent with your parents? What are some of the things that you really needed to hit that Michigan really hit on? Yeah, so I grew up first in a really academic family. Um, my mom's a physician and my dad has a PhD. So I knew that academics was a really important part because I've always been kind of swimming now, but I'm like, I need to think ahead and think about what's going to happen after I'm done swimming. So I knew I wanted to get the academic experience and a degree that I could utilize in whatever field I choose to go into after and then swimming obviously was one of the main reasons that I wanted to go to the states so I just wanted like a swimming program that was a little bit different than what I was doing at home and that could hopefully get me to the next level into where I wanted to be and then thirdly was distance Um, I'm a real homebody and I love spending time with my family so I wanted to be close enough that I could come home uh, on weekends uh, as opposed to flying, having to fly across the country. So those were my main three criteria. Wow, nice. Now, what are you studying in college? Um, I'm studying psychology. Oh, I did psychology. Oh, yeah? Yeah, love it. Um, big fan. I, I, love the, I love the mental side of swimming, and we, we'll get into that a little bit in terms of your performances as well, but um, just a big fan. And, and so what do you think you want to do with that degree? I'm debating. I think I want to go to either med school or law school uh, after I'm done swimming. Whenever I choose to retire, I'm not totally clear on that right now either, just with everything going on. Um, but I think I'm definitely leaning a little bit more toward the medicine track. 
So you're an incredibly high achiever from, from a young age. I mean, you, you played music, you're, you're, you know, a world champion swimmer and that now you want to go to med school. So obviously, you know, what are some of the things that you can thank your parents for in terms of your discipline and dedication? I think they obviously instilled in me, um, dedication. Uh, I had a rule when I was younger that I couldn't quit something. I had to see it through to the end. So I think that definitely really stuck with me. I mean, I eventually had to give up things just to focus on something, but I think that's definitely transferable and all the life skills that I've learned, I've been able to imply in swimming and in life. Now you uh, come from a family that's uh, high achieving as well and obviously work, works very hard. Who was the person that was taking your practice daily and, and getting you out of bed and, and doing that with you? Yeah, so um, the way it worked in my house is that my dad did most of the driving. Um, to the pool in the morning and picked me up after school and took me to the pool but my mom was more like behind the scenes making sure i was fed and kind of taking care of all that stuff oh nice team effort then yeah for sure awesome that's, that's awesome when did you uh how many practices a week were you doing before you got to college in the pool yeah so um i started out like most kids do just doing a couple workouts but i think by the time i was 13 i was doing pretty much doubles three or four days a week mm -hmm. uh, for a total of eight practices, I think. And then, so it wasn't really too big a jump when I went to college. They were doing a pretty similar schedule, which I think definitely helped me to integrate so well when I did arrive. Now, were you one of the top recruits coming out? Were you, were you somebody that was regarded as a top 20 recruit at the time? Well, being international, like as an international student, they really don't know how our yards times would compare uh, to the Americans. So I guess they rank the international recruits separately. Mm. So I think I might have been high on that list, but I wasn't really included in the other one just because they'd never seen me so much recruit yards race before. What do you do well in, in um, your races? I mean, obviously to swim the times that you're swimming, you do a lot of things well, but what do you think you do really well? I mean, I think I've always had a um, pretty good technique, which I think was hammered into me at a really young age, especially when I went to the Excel swim school. That was pretty much one of the main focuses. But I think as I've gotten older, my underwaters have developed. And I mean, as an athlete, you always have things to work on. So I have a list of things that I hope to improve on as I go forward, but I'm pretty happy with where I am and my technique right now. Now, I know uh, Rick Bishop is your primary coach, I believe. Uh, what are the things you, you love about Rick? Uh, Rick and I have a really great relationship. Um, he knows me better than um, sometimes even my parents do. Um, but we have a really great working relationship at practice, and um, his workouts just work really well for me, and I think we really did click from the very beginning. What are some, some workouts that you've done in the past couple of years that you can remember that you've really enjoyed doing? I mean, he knows how great um, of an underwater swimmer I am. So he really coaches to focus on those things while also working to improve my endurance and my aerobics. I did a really hard practice uh, this morning. So that was, that was fun, but it's definitely been nice to have his practices here in London. So I have a piece of Michigan um, with me while I'm home. Oh, okay. So he's sending you daily practices right now. Yeah, so he's writing workouts uh, for me and sends them over and I do them with Andrew and then we kind of report back to him afterwards. Oh, wow. That's really cool setup. Now, are you swimming by yourself right now or are you swimming with a couple of other people? Uh, so I've been swimming by myself for the last six weeks-ish. 
Um, but there's a one. There's another um, university uh, swimmer who swims with Lack right now during Corona. So she's been swimming with me this week, which has been really nice to have someone else uh, to go through a set with. How did you feel about the whole situation? You know, this you're coming off a successful uh, 19 where you're where you're world champion, and then you know going into the Olympic Games is probably the favorite or one of the favorites. So how did you feel about the postponement? Um, I think. I actually, I think I handled it uh, pretty well now looking back on it. I mean, NC2As had just been canceled, so I was kind of just focusing on Canadian trials in the Olympics. And then once uh, Team Canada pulled out, then I thought I think it was a little bit harder. Um, but then once they postponed the entire Olympics, I think it was a lot easier to accept since no one would be going as opposed to it um, proceeding without Canada there. Um, but I think overall, it's definitely what needed to happen, and it's the best scenario for everyone. And hopefully, um, the games will be even better next year because it'll be something the world really needs. Now, I just did an interview with um, Kyle Chalmers, who won the Olympic Games at 18 and kind of came came out of nowhere and beat beat everybody. You know, beat beat all the favorites, beat um, beat people that he'd never beaten before and obviously um, did something that he'd never done at the age of 18. And and you did something fairly similar last year. So I kind of want to just talk through the process a little bit. Were you expecting to um, be a medalist last year in the lead up to that? Were you thinking I can get on the podium here? Um, I think I didn't know where I was standing until Canadian trials happened in April and then I went a big best time by like a second and a half, which I mean, is pretty unheard of at my age, especially. Um, so with those results, I was hoping, I think I could get on the podium, but I never expected that um, I was going to win it. Like what would happen later that summer. So tell me what, what was your best time before the trials and what did you go at the trials? Yeah. So my best time was a 58.38 uh, from junior pan packs in Fiji in the summer of 2018. 58.38. Okay. And then at trials, at finals, I went a 57.04. 57.04. Wow. You did make a big drop. What do you think contributed primarily to, to taking such a big chunk of time off? Yeah. I mean, I've been asked that question a lot. So I think, first of all, I just changing up my training environment, um, going to school where there are athletes that have like-minded goals and just kind of switching it up. And then also weight training. Um, I started weight training when I was 14 and then um we kind of stopped it for a bit in 2016 which is when i kind of hit a plateau i guess so i think those two factors combined definitely um helped me to achieve those results so what what kind of things did you add in the gym um obviously you just got stronger so what were you doing in the gym that helped you with that yeah so i don't know if it was really adding anything in the gym when i went to school I think just because I went from weightlifting Olympic lifts at like 14, 15 to doing, we pretty much kind of just did dryland exercises. It wasn't really any type of lifting program. So I think just getting back to that um, really helped. I wouldn't say I, I changed too much. Do you think it's important for um, swimmers, female swimmers to be strong? Yes and no. Like I feel like you need to be strong to move through the water but you also don't want to be too strong that you sink um, because like muscle sinks when you're swimming as opposed to fat, which uh, you float better. So how do you apply it? How do you, how do you work the balance then between being really strong and, and not too strong to, to sink in the water? I don't know if I've really mastered, um, I guess the answer to that question yet. Um, I mean, I did want to put on a couple more pounds of muscle at the end of last year, which I think um, might've contributed 
to my win at Worlds, but I definitely, I was better conditioned. So I think also my fat um, went down. So I think that overall, um, those two factors combined uh, helped me win at Worlds. Do you do other things like uh, work, any type of flexibility work like yoga or Pilates or just stretching or what, what do you do for your flexibility? Yeah, so like I'll stretch sometimes on my own uh, just because we don't really have time to fit it into our schedule at school. But I did a lot of like yoga um, at the London Aquatic Club growing up. Oh, really? Okay. So how many times a week are you doing dry land outside of the pool in terms of you know whether it be a yoga or, or a um, a weightlifting or um, just some some circuit type work or anything like that. What are you doing? How many times a week out of the pool? Yeah, so like during a normal like I guess school year, we lift three mornings a week after um, a power practice, and then three or four afternoons um, right before or after practice, depending on the day. We'll do like a spin and core or like a hit workout for like oh, wow. thirty minutes. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. So let's talk about worlds a little bit. Um, you go and what's it like when you first get to the meet? How are you feeling when you first arrive? What, what's going through your head at that point in time? Yeah. So that was my first um, big international meet. I guess I'd been to a world, a world cup um, or two of them in 2017, but I think like going to worlds in the summer was completely different. It just had like a different feel to it. I think, I mean, walking down the pool deck, I see Olympians that I've watched on TV since I was like eight. So I think it was a pretty surreal experience to know that I was still swimming there with them and that I earned my spot there. Mm, that, that's actually, you, you brought up a good point there in terms of seeing Olympians for the first time. You were born in 2000 when I, when I was swimming at my first Olympics. So <laughs> making me feel old right there. But um, <laughs> what was your first memory of the Olympics? What's your first Olympic memory experience? Um, I think I'm a little too young to remember '08 vividly. Um, I started swimming with lack the following, like that fall of '08. So I think there's definitely post Olympic momentum that got me into swimming, but I vividly most remember 2012 in London. Okay, and what what stands out there? What are, what are some memories that you have of that games? Yeah, so um, at the time of swimming, I was at age group nationals, so I wasn't really able to watch it on TV as it unfolded. But I just remember during the meet they would announce results and whatever was happening um, at the Olympics. And then after the meet, it was in Alberta. So then my family and I took a vacation. So I just remember sitting in the hotel rooms watching gymnastics. <laughs> Didn't even watch the swimming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't. I was, I was busy swimming myself. <laughs> now, uh, you know, obviously Sarah Sostrom was swimming at those Olympics and, um, you know, she's, she's a competitor of yours now. So what's it like? Um, seeing her for the first time on the pool deck what were you what were you feeling what were you thinking then yes yeah, so i think i'd seen her um, probably at the world cup but i think it was definitely surreal to see her up close um we never really interacted before so i think she was i still idolized her at that point and i mean i still do but it was just incredible like swimming beside her for all three um heats of the butterfly oh you were you were in the prelim semis and finals next to her yeah Oh, wow. So, well, uh, that's probably a good thing, I guess, in the lead up to the final is like uh, I did this yesterday, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that definitely really helped me because I could kind of figure out how she swam it and her strategy. Uh, but also, I guess, just gave me more confidence being beside her and being like, I'm here and I deserve to be here kind of thing. So yeah. I think that definitely made my, my experience even more memorable. 
Now you're how tall are you? Uh, I'm five six and three quarters. Yeah, so you're not the tallest girl, but you um, you swim really big. Um, do you do you feel taller than you are? Like, do you when you look at yourself? I'm I'm like, oh, I'm six foot. You know, like I'm really big. Or are you are you proud of being a little shorter? Honestly, I think I'm proud representing the shorter half of the swimmers. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, Sarah's over six foot, so is Emma. And a lot of the Canadians are pretty tall too. But I feel like. I even though I'm short, I've gotten uh, places that I never thought I would have. So it's nice to um, know that my hard work pays off and not just um, my size. So what is your, what's your strategy then in, in the 100 fly in terms of what, what are your strengths and, and where do you feel like you can be at your best in, in terms of the race? Yeah, so I, I mean, I used to swim 200 flies, so I think I pretty much have that fly endurance still in me a little bit. Um, so I've never really been able to go out really fast. Like that's definitely something I'm continuing to work on. Um, but actually at Worlds, that was my fastest uh, first 50 split. So hopefully that'll keep working and progressing forward. Um, but I usually just rely on my second 50 and my underwater off the turn to kind of bring me home. So I guess you, you kind of expected to be behind her. Is there any um, panic at all because she's in front of you? Or are you just staying relaxed at that point knowing that, hey, when I, when I hit this turn, these underwaters and come back, I'm going to start to pull her back? Yeah, I'm usually pretty relaxed on the first 50. I don't totally remember what I was thinking um, at Worlds because her and Emma were both ahead of me. Um, but I think I just know I have to rely on my training and my strategy and not uh, try to go out too fast because then it, my back half won't be as strong. So talk to me about your progression then. Um, from, from your best time to trials was 58.3 to 57.0 going into Worlds. So then talk to me about um, prelims, semis, and finals. What were your times in those three occasions? Yeah, so that was my first meet actually where I swam uh, semis. So mm -hmm. I was at Junior Worlds in 2015, but I didn't qualify for semis. So that was the first time I'd actually done all three. Mm. Uh, so at prelims, I went a 57.10. 57.10, okay. Uh, and then at semis, I went a 56.52. 56.52, okay. So you dropped six tenths there, yeah? Yeah, and then I went 55.83 at finals. Man, that's a, that's a dream. That's like the perfect progression for anybody that goes to a world championships is, is to have that type of control and that type of progression. So you go from, you go from 57.1 to 55.8 in the space of, um, you know, 36 hours or something. How did you go all out in the morning? Were you giving it everything? Um, I think I knew in the morning I didn't have to go full hundred percent. I think I probably was at like 95 um, but at semis, I definitely went for it. So I definitely didn't know that I had a 55 in the tank uh, come finals. So, um, all right, let, let's talk about the prelims. And if you're holding back a little bit, 95%, where, where are you holding back? That's a really great question. Um, I just feel like I'm trying to just make the whole race smoother and work on my technical skills as opposed to just trying to go out really hard and uh, come back really hard. So I think that I was just kind of focused on my strategy, but also just being a little bit more relaxed and just enjoying the experience at that point. What's it like walking into the ready room and, and knowing that you're next to Sarah Sostrom at that, at that early point of the meet? Um, are you nervous at that point? Yeah, I think it, it was my first race of world championships. So I think I was definitely nervous. I mean, the ready room was always um, make me a little bit more anxious, but I kind of just watch, I just sit back and like watch Sarah or I watch 
whoever um, is in the ready room and kind of how they um, conduct themselves, just because it's one of my first experiences with an international ready room. Um, but I think definitely at that point, I really need to be able to kind of focus and not stress myself out. Yeah. Okay. Well, you handled it really well. And then what, what did you qualify for the semifinal? What position were you in? Semis, I, I qualified third out of prelims. Oh, okay. Okay. And then second um, into finals. Third. Okay. So in the semifinal, you're in, you're in heat two. So heat one goes off. You watch them. Are you getting nervous at that stage because you see them? Uh, was there anything that stood out for you in the first heat where you're like, oh, wow, I've got to, I've got to swim really quick here? Or were you still pretty in control at that point? Yeah, I wasn't really. I don't think I was too worried about the first heat that went. I think I was just really worried about what I was going to do. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I really saw too much of their race either. So I was just kind of trying to keep my head in my lane and kind of just get ready to focus on my own race. Okay, so then you swim the race. You drop, uh, like we said, you drop six tenths. You go 56.5, which is uh, a, a huge PB. How are you feeling at that stage? I think it was, I think, I thought it was really good. Um, the Canadian record was just within reach at that point too. So I definitely, that was definitely my goal, but I would be happy with anything um, in the 56s. So did you, did you honestly think I got, I got a little bit more here or did you feel like, oh, that was a perfect race for me? I thought that one was a pretty perfect race. So, I mean, I made it through the finals and I was just hoping to get on the podium, but I think anything at that point was icing on the cake. All right, so you got to let us in on the secret then. So you go 56-5, and then in the final, you go 55-8, and you, you slay the whole world. You take everybody down. You take uh, the favorite down. I think Sarah was defending her 100-flyer title for the fourth time, um, or she'd won four, four, four titles in a row at the World Championship. So, I mean, this was a big deal. You took a huge chunk of time off another, what, seven-tenths. I mean, that's extraordinary. How did you pull that type of performance out of yourself honestly i have no idea i think everything that went right could have gone that everything could have gone right went right and i think that's really the only answer i have to that where were the splits different did you go out faster or did you just come home extraordinarily faster um i think i did i came back really really well um i think it was the second the fastest second 50 in history um so i was really working on that second 50 for sure what point of the race were you feeling incredible during that second 50? Was it from the moment you turned? Did you know you had a lot left in you or were you just in kind of a zone at that point? I think I was in a zone. I mean, Sarah was right beside me, so I could kind of uh, see her getting closer, getting closer. So I think my mentality kind of switched and was like, I could do this. So I think I just put my head down and went for it the last 25 meters. Is there a point? What's your breathing pattern in, in that race? Yeah, so I think I used to, usually used to breathe one up, one down, um, but I guess I've started to do two up, one down. It's not something I really think about um, when I swim per se, but going back and looking at videos, that's definitely what I've been noticing. Do you have a kick count off the start and off the turn as well that you try and hit? Yeah, so I think I usually do nine off the start, um, just so I don't hit 15 meters, mm. and then it's usually 10 off the turn. Okay, nice. So at the at the 75, I guess she's pulling right up on you. Are you um, thinking at that stage, I'm, I'm just, I feel incredible, I'm going to win this thing? Or at what point do you know that you've got it? Um, I think I knew when I touched the wall and looked at the clock. I mean, I couldn't really see anyone past uh, Sarah. So I knew if I stayed with her, I would get a medal. I just wasn't sure 
um, what place I would come. Was there a point in the race where you just um, put your head down or did you stay within that two up, one down pattern the whole way? I think I stayed with the two up pattern, uh, two up, one down pattern the whole way until like the last five, 10 meters. And just stuck your head down and got your hand on the wall. Was it a, was it a beautiful finish? Did it feel great? The finish was terrible. That was the, I think that was the one thing that went wrong. Oh really? Uh, I glided in like two meters maybe. (laughs) Oh wow. That's, that's nerve wracking when you're gliding, you're like, come on, where is the wall? Hurry up. Yeah. Cause I was definitely too short to take another stroke. So I was like, this is my only option. So what are you thinking then when you turn around and you see not only a one next to your name, but you see 55, eight, like as swimmers, we're always, you know, judging ourselves on time. And all of a sudden you see this incredible time. It must've felt surreal, right? Yeah. I think the funny story is, is that like, I couldn't actually see my time. Um, I don't wear prescription goggles when I swim. Mm. So I was kind of blind. I could see the one beside my name, but it wasn't until I went over to Emma's lane that Emma was, Emma told me that I'd gone 55. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. That's pretty shocking. Now I remember at some point, uh, I I believe Sarah actually grabbed your hand and and put it up uh, as the winner. That, That must feel pretty good, right? Yeah, she was super nice and had great sportsmanship and it was just, it made the moment even better knowing that she was as supportive as she was. Now there's a couple of um, swimmers that are looked at in the world as almost unbeatable. You know, uh, Sarah's one of them and and Caleb Dressel's another one. Um, As a competitor, as somebody that's beaten her, um, what do you think about that? I mean, they're the greatest of all time in our, especially for Sarah in my event in history. She has the top 10, 10 of the top 11 times in the in history. So I think that's crazy. I mean, I beat her once, but she's going to remain a great competitor and I can't wait to race her again, hopefully next summer. And uh, hopefully we can have another crack at it. What do you say to people who think that Sarah or Caleb or, or somebody else is unbeatable? What do you say to them? I don't know if I would say anything. Uh, I mean, they are amazing, but I mean, it's kind of just whatever happens on the day and you can't really control that, but it's just whoever brings it on the day of. Well, I'll tell you what, I was super impressed uh, with your swim. Uh, I thought it was absolutely incredible. It's nice to see people do things that other people don't think are possible. Honestly. I mean, um, I don't think anybody thought that you were going to win that race other than you and maybe your parents or your coach. And so um, for us to see that it really shows us that um, anybody can win at any point in time. If they, if they, um, you know, hit their race plan, they believe in themselves and they execute uh, the race. Uh, I think it's extraordinary. And I think you've given a lot of hope to a lot of people. And I hope I hope people draw from it the way I've drawn from it. Like um, you inspire me, you know, like you show us what is possible. And I think that's fantastic. And um, I'm truly inspired by you. So I I really wanted to chat with you and let you know that Um, I think you're extraordinary. And um, so, so do you think you would have had had a chance to win the Olympics a couple of weeks ago if it had taken off? Were you ready for that? I don't know. My mom's asked me a couple of times, where do you think you would have been if the Olympics had gone on? And the answer to that is I really don't know. I just, cause that's honestly, that's not the way things unfolded and I can't really imagine it any other way. Um, I'd like to think that I would have had a good shot at it, but I don't want to go out and say I would have won it um, because that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but I just want to keep working hard now so I can work hard toward that next summer. 
Nice. Now, we're obviously in a period of time where we can't do exactly what we want to do. We're not with the people we want to be with. We're not training the way we want to train. So what are, what are some of the things you are doing that you think have been helpful for you to continue to improve just in the last few months? So I think I definitely enjoyed having the break. I mean, that's the situation that we're in, but I definitely tried to make the best of it and stay really positive. So I think uh, that definitely helped once we were able to get back in the pool. And then just having um, the team that I'm familiar with and I guess being home um, in general has helped a little bit. But then having Rick's practices and kind of something that I'm familiar with has also helped me to adjust during this really big period of uncertainty. Has there been any particular skill where you felt like, wow, I'm, I'm glad I've got more time to just work on that particular skill that's helping me right now? I mean, under working on underwater has always been a priority for me and it remains my priority. So I try to work on that every practice. Like what? Like what are some of the things you can do to improve your underwaters? Because this is a great question. A lot of, a lot of um, kids are trying to figure out how do I improve my underwaters? So what are some of the things you do to make your underwaters better? Well, uh, first of all, practice, practice, practice. Um, growing up through London Aquatic Club, we always used to do underwater sets and some kids would just complain or not enjoy it. And I'd always be like, hey, let's do some more. Uh, so I think I've always, found, I think it just also comes really naturally to me. But I think if you work hard enough and practice it and make sure, set a goal for yourself and practice, do like say, I'm going to do six kicks up every wall today and stick to that. And then slowly, gradually improve that. I think that will make the biggest difference. Do you train up there? Do you train um, short course meters? Uh, right now I'm doing a mix of both. So mostly long course um, and then a couple short course meter practices. Oh, okay. Have you got a time that you could give us? What's your fastest underwater to 15 meters? Uh, I'm not sure about 15 meters, but I can do 25 underwater in 11.6 seconds. Um, short course meters? Short course meters, yeah. Short course meters, 11.6. Okay, that's a good, there you go, everybody. Get out there and start practicing. Now, do you do resistance underwater kick as well, or are you just training your underwaters as you would swim them? Um, well, lately, I've, we've used, uh, I have a power tower here at, in London that I've been using for my power days, which is similar to school. Um, but sometimes on that, I've been doing underwater with weights. So it's not completely resisted, but I have a little bit more weight, which makes it a little bit more challenging. Okay. Do you do parachutes as well? Um, not really, no. Okay. What about fins? Do you like wearing fins for underwater kicks? It depends. Um, I like fins if you're going a long distance, but if you're going fast, I prefer not to wear them. Okay. Nice. Now, what are some of the things you think of uh, when you are doing your underwaters? How, do you, how are you most efficient? What are you thinking? I don't really think I'm thinking of anything um, related to my technique on my underwater. I think that's pretty much just um, through practice. But the other day I was doing underwater and I was just like thinking about the silence of the pool and how calming it was. Oh, wow. So you get, you, you actually relax underwater when you're, most people are um, feel like they're drowning. You're feeling relaxed. So I just found it really relaxing the other day when I was just, was long course and I was wearing fins and it was just underwater and it, the whole pool was pretty much no one was swimming at that time so it was just me in the water and I could just hear it and it was just super relaxing. Nice, awesome. Um, so what's the next uh, 12 months look like for you? Uh, how, how do you think it'll unfold? 
That, uh, well, I'm not really sure how my next couple of weeks are going to go, so I don't know if I can mm -hmm. answer how you know, what's going to happen in the next 12 months. Um, but hopefully I'll go back to school and start training um, at Michigan again. Um, and then if trials and uh, the Olympics are still on and the, there's a 14-day quarantine required if you enter Canada from the U.S., then I'll probably return to Canada in January and then continue my training um, in Canada. Nice. Okay. Well, listen, uh, I thank you for doing this today. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best, uh, in the lead up to the Olympics and, and I hope it all goes well and we get it done and, and, um, I'll be cheering for you. Okay. Thanks. All right. Well, listen, take care. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. All right. Bye.